You know that line, everyone is in sales? Most people hate it, but everyone is selling themselves. It is important for women to understand how to promote themselves and how to sell their business. Today, we're going to talk about how to develop a plan so that no matter what, you can sell yourself in any situation. The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. Is it just us or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? And who defines success anyway? What about life's twists and turns? We've learned a few things along the way, and we're ditching the culture of competitiveness. Bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Welcome to Think Tank of Three podcast. Hi, this is Audrey Fink here with Rishi Kennedy Kepesuris and Julie Holton. We are your Think Tank of Three. Our special guest today is Amy Zander, and we are talking about the importance of self-promotion, building an entrepreneurial spirit, and thinking like a business owner. Amy is a serial entrepreneur, having owned five businesses. She figured out that her passion also lies in supporting business owners and creatives in their marketing efforts. Amy has built a full-time gig out of helping those in her sweet spot. She is the owner of Zedia Media. It's a digital marketing company in Lansing, Michigan. You can tell just by glancing at her website that she loves what she does and she does it her way phenomenally. She has not just one podcast, but two, and she helps her clients produce their podcasts as well. In fact, Amy and I met on a podcasting panel for the Small Business Development Center here in Lansing. Amy, we are so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you three fabulous ladies. I'm excited. I'm super excited because we are talking about one of Audrea's very favorite topics, self-promotion and selling yourselves. Amy, I'm so excited to get your two cents on this because when we talked and prepped for this call, we had a lot of thoughts. You had a lot of very strong emotions. And I just think this is going to be so valuable for women. So right now you're currently working on developing a marketing boot camp for artists. You saw that there are a lot of artists out there. They're getting out of school and they don't have any idea that making art is now a business. They don't learn how to run business in school, right? They, they don't learn how to promote their work. So tell us a little bit about what you saw that made you decide you wanted to build the boot camp. Just for brevity, I am going to come up with a better name than like artist boot camp, but that's what it is basically. I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna brand a little bit better when first when we finally launch it. I have a deep passion for the arts. My daughter is a painter and so many of my good friends are creatives and, and artistic. And like you said, you know, the prof- professional artists, no matter what their medium is like a lot of other industries and degrees, you don't, you're not taught how to, to make it into a business, what you're doing when you're in school. I also think that the concept of a starving artist is bullshit. There isn't an equivalent in any other profession. Like we don't talk about starving lawyers or starving electricians. (laughs) Right. So I I think this term needs to go away. And I think that it starts with the artists. They should not think of themselves that way. They should price their work accordingly and never, ever compromise and learn how to promote themselves. So coming back to your question, (laughs) the artist boot camp, I'm going to tell a little story, which really got me going on this idea. I am involved in a local show in town called the artist umbrella, and it's kind of like a vaudeville act. It's a, it's a a stage and there's lots of different performers and it's a way for up and coming artists to get their feet wet kind of on a stage. It's really supportive. And around the perimeter of the show, there's lots of booths set up for artists and different people. And I always get there early and I walk around and I talk to the artists. And at the last show, 
I walked up to this booth and this, this young woman was sitting behind her booth. She wasn't really engaged. She was kind of looking a little like deer in the headlights a little bit. And she had beautiful art artwork set out in front of her. It was um, resin artwork with flowers and things like that. And her, her title of her art was a florist's daughter, which I thought was super cool. So I started asking her, I'm like, so, you know, are you the artist? Tell me your story. So she, she, I started asking her questions and she stands up and I started engaging her more. Why did you name it a florist's daughter? Tell me about your mom. So she, she gets this huge smile. She's got like a thousand watt smile and she just starts launching into this beautiful story about her mother and her love for her mother and these flowers and her art. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm listening. And then she got all done. And I was like, you know, you should really like record that story record yourself telling that story and put it out there on your social media and your Instagram. And she's looking at me kind of funny. And I got my friend standing next to me who owns an art gallery. Her name's also Amy. And she's like, Oh honey, listen to her. She's a marketing person. She knows what she's saying. Like just do it. (laughs) And I'm like, thanks. thanks." She just lit up with those questions. And then later during the show, I was sitting up on a balcony. It's outside. And I, I kind of had like a bird's eye view of the whole show. And I was keeping my eye on her. After I left her booth, the rest of the time, she was up, she was engaged, she was smiling, she was promoting herself, she was selling her art. And I'm like, that's what every artist needs. They just need to be asked, what's your story and told, tell your story. So Amy and I were just talking about how we feel like we could help artists, like we could help them figure out how to promote themselves better and and value themselves and tell their story. And then, you know, all the nitty gritty, you know, social media marketing stuff too, we can help with that interaction with that artist born the idea of this boot camp. I love, love this idea. boot camp idea so much, Amy. I'm ready to start sending people to you. I'm cheering. Right? You yeah. Yes. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I taught a master class at MSU. It was just a one-time class for graduate students, all artists in, in some way, shape or form. And most of them were graduate students, just like you were describing. They had never taken a single class on marketing, on business. And here I was trying to like cram it all into three hours. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking like, and also make it so that I'm not just talking at them the whole time. What are we doing? We're not equipping them so that when they leave, I mean, yes, we're equipping them in a way where they are masters of their trade and they've really developed their deep talents into something more, but they deserve to learn how to run a profitable business. And I love the whole idea of getting rid of this whole starving artist bullshit like that. No, everyone who provides any kind of service, any kind of product of any kind, there's value there. And we as consumers need to get ready to start paying for that value too. It's the same in law school. You go to law school, you learn to be a master of your trade. It's the same with doctors. You go to medical school and you learn to be a master of your trade. And we aren't teaching people how to then run their business. It's, I mean, that might be a whole other podcast, the lack of education, but (laughs) in higher education, but it's amazing how many people come out with a a degree and they are the experts in the trade and they have no idea what the next thing is and how to build a business from it. Kind of like that blog you just wrote, Adria, about people in sales who don't know how to sell because they don't even realize they're in sales. (laughs) I told my, my husband with regards to our kids, I said, I don't care what they're going to do in life. They will take a business class to understand how to run their business. I don't care what they're doing. They are going to have some business knowledge and background. I also think though, that it isn't necessarily natural 
for people to self promote, especially as women. Oh, don't, you know, you don't want to play, you don't want to be boastful. You don't want to play yourself up. And we've taken that advice and internalized it as opposed to taking that advice and recognizing where that advice fits, where you should be a little humble versus where you need to be saying, I can do this. Let me help you. I can do this. Let me do this. As opposed to <laughs> the greatest thing since we, I don't understand what your problem is. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, a way, <laughs> there's a way to do it. And right. that has not been properly dispelled to individuals in my opinion. So that leads me to this question. What do you need to build a solid self-promotion plan? That's a really good question. And those are the things that my team and I are rolling around right now in our brains trying to think this, because again, this hasn't really been, been launched yet, but it's something that we're, we, we're going to make happen. It really needs to start with that self-confidence and worth, which is their story, right? Like I talked to that woman about, and every business has their story and their why, right? So, and of course, brand. So either you're a personal brand or a business brand. So there's branding, and then I think mentorship will be a big part of this boot camp. Having older artists or you know artists that have been in the business a little bit longer, some people that already have their art galleries going, and and I don't just mean visual arts. I mean this is any kind of artist. And then a big part of it will be the marketing, solid, mar- good marketing practices for social media, YouTube, TV, radio. Giving a nod over there to Julie because she's my person that helps me with that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then finally, a piece that's really important to me is giving back to the program once that they're launched and experiencing success, whether that's financially giving back to the program or becoming a mentor themselves or in some other capacity. But we're going to be requiring that anybody that goes through the boot camp then has to give back in some way. So cool. Yeah, I'm excited about so it. Cool. You know, what's so great about artists and marketing, and this is where Amy, we can geek out for a moment on the marketing (laughs) aspects of this, whether we're talking visual artists or whether they're singers or music composers, they have so much content to work with. The doctors and lawyers I work with, they have content, but it's not quite as exciting as the the artists. (laughs) It's like pulling teeth to get more. When you say that to many artists, they don't see it because they haven't learned it yet. And so they don't even know what the potential is they're sitting on. I know for me, one of the things that I struggle with, even as a marketer, is self-promotion. I still cringe pretty much every time I post a picture of myself, even though you wouldn't think that. And so maybe that's the sign of good marketing is that you don't realize my brother-in-law and my sister are kind of going through this thing with their 10-year-old where every time she sees herself in a mirror, she stops to look. She's noticing herself for the first time and, and looking at herself and through the critical eye, I'm sure, of the medium what little girls start to go through. But even as a little girl, we're told to stop doing certain things when it comes to self-promotion or to quiet ourselves or not be boastful, like all the things that Rish was saying earlier. So are there any things that you think that women specifically need to unlearn as they're learning how to promote themselves? Oh, yes. I think that we need to stop being people pleasers for one thing. Amen. Can you just (laughs) Um, say that again? Yes. We all need to stop worrying about being people pleasers. To kind of jump off of what you were saying about your brother's daughter. So I have a 16-year-old daughter. She's a little quieter, a little shyer than I am. For example, she went to school and she was, you know, sitting with some friend and some other guy came up and he was like chatting her up and he wanted her phone number. And she's like, I didn't really want to give him my phone number, but I didn't want to seem rude. So I just did. And I was like, um, what? 
Like you did something you didn't want to do. And then I was just like, well, well, why didn't you just say, you know, bring out that this is my advice, like bring out that inner diva. We all have an inner diva and just say, I just met you and let's see how, where this goes and see if you're worthy of my phone number later. <laughs> like that's what I wanted her to say. Right. <laughs> but she, you know, she's not me. I can't make her say things I would say, but we have these conversations about just don't do things you're not uncomfortable with. But the other thing that I had to learn, and I learned this later in life for sure is talk to yourself every day, exactly like you would talk to your best friend. So encourage, yeah, you know, encourage yourself, love on yourself, tell yourself the hard things too, in a loving way. But if you had this amazing artist friend who was like, oh my God, I don't know if everyone likes my art or I don't know what artists say to themselves, but it's probably the same things that we say to ourselves, you know, to ourselves. But if they showed up at your door, stressing out, spinning out about themselves, what would you say to them? You're not going to say, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, like all the things that we say to ourselves, you got to stop the negative talk. You really do. And, and it's, it's a, it's a process. It's training. It's reminding yourself every time you start to do it to stop, but just think of yourself as, as that, if you knocked on your own door, what would you say to you and surround yourself with other divas who promote you and love you. And you've got to get rid of the toxic people and the competitors. It took me to my mid forties to find my group of solid diva women, but I have them and I wouldn't give them up for anything. You're worth it. Tell yourself you're worth it every single day. You literally pulled the words out of my mouth. I was saying to myself, we are very good at promoting in general. My gosh, Julie just called me a couple of weeks ago and just left this very long detailed message and I was just by the time you're done listening to it I was like she really likes me you know? <laughs> <laughs> Aww, <laughs> so good and great and everything and I've done that to others I've had conversations with others where I'm telling them why are you selling yourself short we've had to do that with Julie a couple of times which blows my mind because we're like <laughs> do you recognize how phenomenally woman you are so it's not that we don't have the ability to do it we seriously however struggle with doing it for ourselves. And oddly enough, that is something that in general, men really don't have a problem with that. They don't have a problem feeling themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They also don't have a culture telling them everything they do is wrong. The same way we do. You know, but it's true. When you get the question thrown back at you, let's say at the time that we're recording this, there's a, a woman in my town who's running for mayor and she just announced that she and her husband are expecting their third child. And my first thought was, why do you feel the need to even say that in the first place? And then the next thing is, you know, the first question out of many people's mouths is, well, then how are you going to do the job? And it's like, I'm ready for the guy to show up at an interview or show up at some whatever speaking event. And when he explains how my wife and I have four kids or we're expecting our third or we're expecting our fourth, the first thing coming back to them is, well, how do you find the time? Yeah, how do you do it all? How do you do it all? (laughs) You know, but but that's like the the automatic, how do you do it all? So as I completely veer this conversation in a different direction. No, but but I want to say too, you know, one thing that we also have talked about that, that we don't talk about a lot because we focus, we're women, we focus on our issues and we've got plenty of them, but the men that do struggle with self-promotion, I will say 
are the men who don't fit that stereotypical mold that society says they're supposed to fit. The men with emotion, the men who are empaths, the men who are sensitive, because as a society, we say that those are, those things are weak. I mean, that's of course, right. That's what makes women weak. (laughs) Nah, I'm trying, I'm being sarcastic. I know you can't see my face to our listeners, but (laughs) but those, you know, so I do want to say, because I know we have a lot of men who listen to you and, and we hear you and we see you as well, because we know that, when you are trying to be yourself in a society that says that something about you isn't quite the way it's supposed to be, that's when we struggle. And for women, self-promotion is one of these areas. Well, we're told we have a mold we're supposed to fit in. And when we try to get out of that mold, we question ourselves. You know, we've talked about imposter syndrome a million times on this podcast. It affects 70% of people, all people, including men. It's just that at times, I think we get stuck in our heads because we have more conflicting messages. We glorify women when they're pregnant. And then as soon as they have kids, we want them to shut those kids up. And it's the women's job. Where's dad in this? Right. <laughs> you know, like, why don't we expect him to shut it down? I think there's a lot of that conflict and we yeah. are just figuring out how to wade through it. Yeah, I've often noticed that people want working women to have a job like they don't have a family and have a family like they don't have a job. At the same time. It's so funny that you said that, Risha, because I often say that. When's the last time anybody asked a man, how does he do it all? (laughs) Right. There was a segment, oh, maybe three years ago. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. There was a segment where they recorded a bunch of male athletes getting asked the question that women are getting, like, how are the kids and what who are you wearing and how are you going to be able to do it all? And you could see these men be like, like that's those are irrelevant questions why are you asking me this and it's like exactly they are relevant questions right stop asking women athletes this right amy when you and i were talking prior to this recording we discussed the importance of having that entrepreneurial spirit and how it's just so important to have that sense of i can do it i can build it i can sell it if you're going to succeed in business It's so important for women to get comfortable with money and selling themselves and not separating the two. I can sell my brand, but let's not chat about money. What do you recommend to women who are uncomfortable talking about money as part of their business? I have definitely worked on improving my own relationship with money. I have this amazing friend, Lewis, who is an energy healer. He basically taught me, you know, like just what I concentrate on, what I put my emphasis on. So I don't pretend that it's like magic or voodoo or anything like that. He's like, give me your wallet. And I was like, okay. And I have my business credit card and my personal credit card. And he's holding them in each one of his hands. And he's like, your business one seems fine. What's going on with the other one? It's like super heavy and weird. And like all this crazy energy around your personal money. And I'm like, well, yeah, money stresses me out. And he's like, well, first of all, you've got to stop saying that. And then he made me take out my checkbooks and write the words opportunity all over my checkbooks. And then he told me, you're not allowed to ever pay a bill until you're excited to pay that bill because you have the money to pay it. He's like, did you ever have a time in your life where you didn't have enough money to pay your bills? And I'm like, of course, like not even all that, you know, it wasn't even all that long ago, you know? And so he's like, right. He's like, so you, the first step in improving your relationship with money is to be really happy that you have it and be happy to spend it and pay your bills. He's like, so if you're afraid to pay a bill, don't pay it yet. I mean, you can't 
let that go forever. Right. But, you know, you know, just having that gratitude and putting that out there, like in the universe, thank you. I have this money. I'm paying this bill. I'm super excited to pay for my house. That's really helped me. And uh, money doesn't stress me out as much as it used to. And it really stressed me out because I just didn't know how to really manage it very well. And I also just felt like I I was spread thin. We were a young family where I was building a business. We just didn't have enough money. I was re-reminded of this recently. I was at a art show for a young artist in town and my company had um, sponsored her art show in a small way. So I was there and she was selling prints and they were like two for $30, which I thought was way too low, but I had $40. So I'm like, here, I'm going to pay you. You know, I just want to give you 40. I don't want to change back. Like these are worth it. Like, I just want to buy your prints. And she's like, oh, don't give me the money. Can you just give that to me, my fiance? Like money makes me really uncomfortable. And I'm like, darling, let's go have a chat. <laughs> and I was like, no, you cannot be uncomfortable with money. I said, if you're the only thing that I would like you to ever be uncomfortable with money is, is that you have so much money that you don't need it all. And then you start giving it away. That's the only uncomfortable about money I ever want people to have. And so her and I had a long conversation and she came from poverty. I think she still has this poverty mentality. That's got to be part of my boot camp because no, none of this poverty mentality anymore. Like, no, you know, that, like we said, starving artists, like get really comfortable with, with money and pricing. And if, Cause if you're not comfortable with money, you're not going to price your art or your services or your products or whatever, no matter what industry you're in correctly. I love that we're talking about money more on this podcast. We just had Joyce Martyr on. She wrote a book, The Financial Mindset Fix. If you have not picked it up or started it yet, do it. I am going through a chapter a week and it's blowing my mind. I have discovered through going through her book, how many stories I tell myself about money. Why? I love this idea of pay your bill when you're excited because you have the money because it's really so much of it is mindset. So much of it is if you're fearful, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, then you shy away from it. And women are told, oh, don't deal with that. Don't worry about money. So we don't deal with it, but we still worry because money still makes the world go around. Right. It's so true. I have to share just a vulnerable moment for you because I feel like this is what the podcast is all about. But Amy, I think as you were sharing about the credit card and needing to feel excited about paying bills, a light bulb totally went off for me. For me in my business, I found that there are certain numbers that are more comfortable for me than others. And as those numbers grow, I start to be like, whoa, wait, like that's too much to think about. Like that's too much to manage. And I almost, I don't want to say self-sabotage because the numbers continue to grow, but I have noticed within myself, the feeling of discomfort grows. I'm going to try a new approach this week. We were talking in one of our previous episodes. I have a TV show. It's an amazing opportunity. It's been this really incredible success for my team, but there are a lot of numbers. There's a lot of money associated with that. There's the production costs. There's all the, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And so a lot of money coming in and out as we manage all of that. And I have found that each month when it's time to figure out those numbers and pay all the bills and make sure money, because a lot of it's just filtering through the agency, but each time I'm like, (gasps) Okay. Instead of like stopping and looking at 
well, number one, the money's there, <laughs> the bills are, are covered. But number two, this is an exciting opportunity that we have the ability to reach so many people now through this new medium of television. And it, it isn't so interesting though. I did not realize until you were talking that I feel stress about the money associated with the TV show. And it has nothing to do with the success of the show. And really right. nothing to do with anything other than the stories I'm telling myself in my head as I approve these big numbers. Yeah. My, my husband was looking for a new car for like well over a year. He was like stressing out about the money. He knew what car he wanted, whatever. We had the money. It was fine. We knew what we could spend. And so we get, we get to the day where we're going to go get the car. And I'm like, Oh my God, we get to go buy a car. This is so exciting. And he's just like, who's going to buy the money? I'm like, no, no, no. We've already dealt with the money. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, no, I'm excited. You finally get to get the car you wanted to buy. You know, you waited for so long and to celebrate those things. But it, it's just, it is definitely an interesting mindset. And every time, every payday, we have like a little celebration at CD Media. Yes, I get to pay you guys for your hard work. <laughs> I love it. You know, and so. But that yeah. energy is contagious. Yeah. That energy, that energy <clears throat> is just as contagious as the negative energy. The negative energy can be just as contagious if people aren't reining that in. You right. continually perpetuate these negative thoughts. And I, I work on that myself. My fear with money, I know exactly where my fear with money is coming from. And it, I know what will solve that. I just haven't been able to make it happen yet. And so I know that I'm, that's what I am fighting and dealing with, but that's what you're constantly putting out there. That's the energy. Then that's the energy that's going to be constantly fighting off. Right. Versus the, yes, it's payday. Like, you know, when you were younger, when we were in our, you know, far beat for me to act like anyone's old sitting up here, but I, you know, when we were like <laughs> in high school with our little jobs and Woo, I can go to the movies or, you right. know, or, or even if it was, even if it was the allowance, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't have a job when I was in high school. Cause I had a whole lot of other stuff going on. So my parents were like, no, you need something. Let us know. We'll figure it out. But you got excited about that little 20 bucks. Yeah. That is like, can I go to the right. movies with my friends? Yes, here. <laughs> you know? right. So if you perpetuate that energy, then that energy will be perpetuated to others around you. And that will come back to you. I think too, in our culture, there's like a double-edged sword. You know, we live in a capitalist society. And I always say I, I'm, I'm a complete dirty capitalist. Of course I am. I love money. I want money. I want to make more money. I want to make other people more money. And I want to give a lot of money away. I like money, but that's not a popular thing to say. And especially not for women. But my whole thing is money can solve a lot of problems. People say, oh, money, you know, money can't buy you happiness. Sometimes, sometimes money can solve a lot of problems. And it can help. Yeah. And, and in business too, I mean, sure, not in your personal life, you know, well, you know, it's about love and relationships and things like that, but with business and promoting other people and, and the more money I make, the more money I can give away, which is the way that I look at it. And so I'm all about money. I don't make any bones about the fact that I'm a capitalist. That is one of my least favorite statements. Money can't buy you happiness. And I, like I said, no money can't buy you happiness, but money can sure help you get where you need to go sure. where you need right. to get there and help Aside others from yeah. and helping others. Now, yes, yep. like you said, reiterating what you just said, it, we're not yeah. talking about personal relationships, love, but if the stress of money is in the background, your focus can now go to those other things. Right. And it's so important to figure out like what is pulling that focus. I'm going to copy Julie and be a little vulnerable at the time of this recording. I've just started looking for work again. I took my sabbatical. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I grew. I'm ready to work again. And 
I am struggling with the salary negotiation portion. And I'm like, why am I struggling with this? I absolutely know how much I'm worth. And and I have to keep going back and re-listening to podcast episode 21 with, with Dana, where she's like, here's how you negotiate your salary. Yesterday, I was on the phone with a friend who was negotiating her salary. She called me for advice and we walked through it. And I verbally rewrote her counter offer with her. Why am I struggling with my counter offer when I can do it for others? You've got to be able to get into your head and think like, okay, where's that separation? Why can we do for others what we can't do for ourselves? Why is money dirty when it's mine, but it's just a tool when it's others, right? Amy, I want to go back to this concept as you're working with artists. You know, something that I have wondered, do you think that people are born with this desire to be able to self-promote or to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, or is it something that people can learn to have an entrepreneurial spirit? This is a tough question. I feel like I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit and I had an incredible example growing up from my mom who also built a business when I was in like middle school through high school and it was a very successful business. And I've owned five businesses. So I started in high school with a house cleaning business to pay for my college and it just kind of went on from there. But I also feel like I would make a terrible employee at this point because I've just worked for myself for so long. I don't know. Not everyone can be a business owner. And you have to get really, really comfortable with uncertainty. And I think that's the biggest hurdle um, sometimes for people. And and sometimes maybe people don't realize when they first start out owning a business too, is that you have a fluctuating income, you gain and lose clients, the unexpected happens, a pandemic happens, you know, a recession happens. Not everyone wants wants all that responsibility. And that's fair. I mean, that that's totally understandable. I mean, the, the world needs all kinds of workers. But if you are interested in being a business owner, I think you should just start hanging out with other business owners, maybe get a mentor, work in the business, ask a lot of questions and find out as much as you can. But just knowing going into it that being a business owner is all about uncertainty. I think too, to add to what you're saying, Amy, a lot of people learn during the pandemic that they have a false sense of security as an employee. Sometimes we talk ourselves into thinking that we have a solid, I'm thinking back to before I was a business owner, um, I had a solid salary. I knew what the benefits were. My healthcare was covered, but I did also have that glass ceiling that I couldn't break. You know, I, I had that ceiling on my salary. I, I, I knew the limits to what I would make that year, but I had this false sense of security that my job wasn't going to go anywhere. How many people had that rug pulled out from underneath them during this pandemic to realize that when you're not your own boss, you're also not in control. You don't know what the financial outlook is for the company you're working at. You don't know what perhaps what the long-term plans are. Right. So, you know, there's a point in both. We just don't always see it that way. I love acknowledging that just because you have a job doesn't mean you have job security. There's no such thing as job security, not really. And if we stopped glorifying working at the company because it will keep you going for forever, especially in today's economy, gone are the days where you lived and breathed one company. Gone are the days where a company lasted that long. Okay, so we live in Michigan, so there's the auto industry and a long time ago, like our grandfathers and things like that worked in the auto industry and they would work, like you said, they would work there for life and they were taken care of. I don't know that there's not as much 
loyalty from the employee side these days towards their employers, but it also goes the other way. Like a lot of companies aren't doing enough to keep their employees either. Like, so it's kind of, it's just a different culture. I think we're now going to need to do a podcast to um, help alleviate all of the anxiety. We just gave everyone about job security, but no, it's so important to look at it with eyes wide open. Kind of, It helps to better assess, especially if you're someone who's on the fence and you're thinking about whether you want to launch into your own business or whether you want to pursue your passion to see if it could be profitable. There's so much opportunity out there. That's true. And I think just hope maybe to right now alleviate a little of that anxiety is just to remember that no matter what profession you are in or wherever you are at in your career, if you have the drive and you have the ability to promote yourself, like we've been talking this whole episode, you have job security. You can always go find a job. You can promote yourself. You can find something. And so it's just having that, that confidence in yourself. It might not be your dream job. It might be a stepping stone job. I'm sugarcoating it for sure. It's hard, but that's the first step to maybe alleviating that whole job search thing. This has been so insightful. Thank you, Amy, so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Before we go, we're collecting advice from successful women in our communities, and we're sharing it in our Think Tank of 3 Forum. So we have three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I think so. Is there a lesson that you've recently learned that you wish you had learned earlier in your career? Yeah. Don't compromise your work by rushing something. From the lessons, Amy, that you've learned, what advice would you offer for any woman in any career? My mentor told me this one time when I was having that dreaded imposter syndrome issue. And he, it's a one to 100 question. So he said, if you took everything there is to possibly know about marketing, and that was 100. So zero is knowing nothing and everything is, you know, 100. Where would you put yourself on that list, you know, on that scale? How much do you know about marketing? And I was like, 30, maybe, you know, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't sure. Cause I know there's, I know what I don't know. Right. Cause I'm in marketing and he's like, where would your clients put you on that scale? And I said, oh, much higher 80. I don't know. They think I know everything. He's like, right. All you got to know is a little bit more than the people that you're selling stuff to. <laughs> he's right. like, that's what matters. And I've always thought about that one to 100 rule every time I start doubting myself or feeling some kind of imposter thing, because we all, we all have it from time to time. So that's just, just remember that one to 100. You only got to know a little bit more than somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) But also you made a good point, recognizing what you don't know, and then over time learning it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Or finding somebody else who knows Finding someone else who can. (laughs) In today's professional setting, what do you think the most important skill for a woman is? Be your own biggest cheerleader. You are a diva and you need to show the world every day that you're a diva and cheer cheer for yourself. Well, and I, for one, am so glad that I get to collaborate with this diva. Amy, thank you so much for being (laughs) on the show. Now, you also have not one, but two podcasts that you produce. Tell us a little bit about them so we can send our listeners to your podcast too. Who are they for and where can we find them? Sure. My first one is Brand Archetypes and you can find it at brandarchetypes.com or wherever you find your podcast. And that is all about branding and marketing. And that's just for small business owners looking to brand and market themselves better. And then my newest one is called Adventures in Business. You can find that on my website, zdmedia.com or wherever you find your podcast. My co-host is Lisa Fisher and we are interviewing people who work and live in the Lansing area that are either entrepreneurs or hustling or have a side hustle or just, just their whole work story about what it's like to work today. Thank you again, Amy, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And that's all for this episode of the Think Tank of Three.
If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktankof3@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Think Tank of Three wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktankof3.com. Follow us on social media. You can find us individually on LinkedIn and as Think Tank of Three on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Women, click to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice and articles. And if you liked what you heard in the podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of Three on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, and SoundCloud.